So, day one, check. Many of you have just completed your first full day of your retreat, residential retreat. And we were able to meet with many of you, so it was really nice to get to know some of you a little more and hear about your experiences today. So, yeah, day one, it's oftentimes, no matter how much experience one has had in uh, meditation, sitting retreats, day one is always a little bit challenging. It's a bit difficult. We come in, oftentimes we come in with our, uh, the momentum of our day, our, the rhythm of our days, which is quite full for many people, and some people saying they needed to do a lot before they came, just to be sure they uh, could be here, responsibility-free, so you know that kind of, you know, running as fast as you can so that you can actually slow down, right? So, you know, but many people have experienced that, and so sometimes we come in to retreat. The first day we're quite tired. There's a lot of sleepiness. Of course, it's, it's warm. The temperatures are rising a bit. That doesn't help so much with the wakeful energy. You know, so tired, you know, making adjustments to a new environment, new situation, new rhythm, sitting for long periods of time. Many people haven't sat for 45 minutes, maybe, you know, maybe once, but maybe not twice or three times or four times in the day. You know, so there's a lot of adjustments to make. And so we're going to feel that. We're going to feel that energetically and mentally. And, you know, it's all part of coming into a, a retreat experience. And so I usually like to check in with people and I just say, sort of say, well, how are you with that? Because right there we can start to get a sense of uh, if we're carrying a load of expectations, right? Uh, expectations on ourselves or on the retreat or what we expect from the retreat. It's like, you know, it is what it is. And, and our practice really very much is to come into a connection with the way things are. We say that again and again, to come into contact, to come into connection with the way things are without resistance, without wanting it to be otherwise, but really coming into a a place of allowing and acceptance. So from there, we can begin to see more clearly what we, how we may need to attend to our experience. Maybe we do need to uh, lie down and, and take, a, take a longer rest. You know, maybe we need to take a faster walk or we need to drink more water or uh, maybe we need to sit still. You know, but until we really come into connection with what's happening, we may not really know what we need or how we need to respond. So we're really wanting to get present, right? We get present with ourselves, get present with what's happening. So then we can know, then we can see how to respond, how to move forward. 
But yet also many people in the groups said today that they were very, very grateful for being here on the retreat, to have finally made it. Many people said that they've been wanting to do this for a very long time. More than one, more than one person. I've been wanting to do this for a very long time and finally I'm here. You know, in that real deep sense of arriving, really arriving somewhere where one has been called to for a long time. And in a way, we, we come here to connect with something deeply, something that moves within our own hearts and minds, but we may not be able to articulate exactly what it is. But we're called, we're pulled, and we arrive. I wanted to, I came across this um, quote that I had saved uh, uh, for a while now when I was reviewing some of the things preparing for the retreat. And I wanted to read this uh, prayer. It's from the United Nations Environmental Sabbath slash Earth Rest Day from 1990, when they, this, uh, the UN uh, gathered together uh, people to uh, rest for this, have an Earth Rest Day. And this prayer was um, put together. And when I read, read it, I thought, that, that is why we come. That's why we come to retreat. This is, this is really what it's about. And I wanted to um, read it and see if you also connected with these words. And this is 1990. And, it, and, and it's, what is that? 1990 is 27 years, almost 30 years ago. So it goes like this. It says, We who have lost our sense and our senses our touch, our smell, our vision of who we are, we who frantically force and press all things without rest for body or spirit, hurting our earth and injuring ourselves, we call a halt. We call a halt. We want to rest. We need to rest and allow the earth to rest. We need to reflect and to rediscover the mystery that lives in us. That is the ground of every unique expression of life. The source of the fascination that calls all things into communion. We declare a Sabbath, a space of quiet, for simple being and letting be, for recovering the great forgotten truths, for learning how to live again. It's so beautiful. I think it just it so certainly speaks to me. These we need to reflect and to rediscover the mystery that lives in us. So we declare a Sabbath, a space of quiet for simple being and letting be. I really, I really feel that that certainly is my inspiration and my intention to sit up here, to be with people, to guide people, to see if we can, we can call this halt, you know, stop. 
It's really meditation for me really is a stopping. And it's a stopping of this momentum of habit. The habits is that we can feel like we're on automatic sometimes in our lives and we don't know where that stop button is. How do we stop? I remember early in my practice it was like I would say, stop the earth, I want to get off. Stop, I want to get off. It was like, but yet feeling pulled in this momentum of, of habitual uh, behavior. And this meditation, I feel like the meditation is really what allows me to stop. And when we come into retreat, to allow us to stop, it's really an environment of letting go. There's so much, I said to some people today, there's so much that we have to let go of in order not only to come here, but also to be here. You know, so many things uh, that we're usually in control of or um, ways that we can uh, be in our day. Somebody said today, I'm not even used to being on a schedule. Like being on a, being on a schedule was, was difficult. You know, just used to doing whatever I want to do. And we were so touched by the, the cell phone ritual. I'm talking about renunciation and letting go. You know, so many people I don't think we expected, so many people to relinquish their cell phones. And it was, you know, really an act of, of that releasing, that relinquishment of habit. You know, it's definitely a habit. And making a statement, you know, to themselves, to everyone else okay, I want to let go, that I want to I feel and experience something different here that I can't do when I'm caught in that particular behavior. So this atmosphere of letting go, a space of quiet for simple being and letting be. Simple being. That's, there isn't really much we need to do here. You know, this letting go, this... Kind of renunciation um, reminds me of this um, quote, this um, little story. A Buddhist phones the monastery and asks the monk, can you come to do a blessing for my new house? And the monk replies, sorry, I'm busy. Well, what are you doing? Can I help you? And the monk says, I'm doing nothing, replied the monk. Doing nothing is a monk's core business, and you can't help me with that. So the next day, the Buddhist phones again, can you please come to my house for a blessing? Sorry, said the monk, I'm busy. What are you doing? I'm doing nothing, replied the monk. But that was what you were doing yesterday, said the Buddhist. Correct, replied the monk, and I'm not finished yet. Doing nothing. So it can seem like we're doing nothing. I mean, sometimes it's like, and then, then, then we can feel some boredom or, you know, some, like I'm wasting my time or nothing's happening. That's a good one, right? Nothing's happening. How many, have any, has anyone had that thought today? <laughs> nothing's happening. That's the point. That's the point, right? It's, it's so counterintuitive because of this, um, because of the momentum, because of the habit energy, because of the whole conventional 
uh, habit energy of producing and consuming and doing and uh, having goals and outcomes. And of course, you know, that's very much part of our culture. And it's okay. It's not wrong. There's nothing bad about that. It's just that can we stop when we want to stop? Right? Do we know where that off button is when we want to push it? It's really regaining some kind of control rather than thinking that we're losing control, like we're losing that capacity to make choices and do what we want. We're actually regaining a kind of control. In this tradition, we call it mastery. It's a mastery over the mind where our small thinking minds, the, the rational and analytical cognitive minds aren't driving us. They're not in control. Just because I think about something, it doesn't mean it's true or real it ha- or it has to happen. You know? So, so we might, we might, the way I'm talking these days more about the practices, it feels like a kind of descent into the heart from the mind or the head, the way that I'm usually caught up in this um, thinking mode. But as, through the meditation practices, as I drop down, bring my attention more fully into my body as We've been uh, already speaking about how he spoke this morning about the importance of grounding and centering through the body and the, the living breath body. And as I do that, I start to make more contact with a different kind of knowing through the heart, which we call the heart. And, it, and, it, and it's not just a, 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 an abstract word, because in a way... It's not necessarily the physical heart, but it certainly is this part of the body. We can feel and sense more of of what's happening in more of the fullness of our body rather than just being led and driven by the mental energy. How we mentioned this morning, this leaning forward where we can actually almost feel like we're toppling forward, leaning forward and losing our balance because we're led so much through the mental realm. And so, in a way, energetically, this is a leaning back. We lean back and, and relax in and open out to what's occurring right here in this moment. And it's a dropping, a descending into the fullness of our being, the fullness of our body through the heart. And the heart we, is, a, is a different mode of knowing, It's not that we're not knowing, but we're sensing and we're feeling and we're making contact with how we called it an intuitive knowing, different kind of uh, than a mental knowing. And as we drop into the body, we are actually opening to our senses, to the eyes and the nose and the, the mouth, the ears, the skin. This is the body. The five senses are our body and that is how we know our world through the five senses. So if we're very much in our thinking mode, we're not so connected to the world or to others or to our experience. When I first started the practice many years ago, I was told by uh, not more than by many people that I was really in my head 
people said, you're really in your head. And I didn't know what that meant because I didn't, I just, it was natural to me. (laughs) I didn't know there was another mode of being, another way of being. And I really felt that mental kind of contraction, particularly right through my eyes, right in the middle, the middle of my forehead and my eyes just kind of tighten, tightness through my, through my forehead and eyes. And, and so I started listening a little bit to what people were saying. I was also doing quite a lot of healing practices. And I remember stretching kind of that, that muscle, kind of pushing that muscle back by towards my ears just to keep opening up that that part of my my head because I <laughs> it was I was so tight and so contracted there so we begin to open begin to expand and drop down and fill up it's like filling up sometimes the I have this image of, of blowing up a balloon with air you know you have a little def- deflated balloon skin and then you blow it up and it it comes into this fullness. And sometimes it feels like that, you know, filling up. Filling up through the, the eyes and the ears and the nose and the, the taste and the skin and breath and body. And, oh, we're in contact. People have already been talking about that, you know, just that, that stopping and opening, being able to, to sense and to feel connect more fully in that way. This is really what we're what we're working with in, in the in, in the Buddhist language of Pali, the ancient language where these this these teachings came down in this language, the word um, it that's used is chitta, chitta, which is translated both as mind and heart. So it's a real as the chitta is we're expanding the chitta. We're developing the chitta. So it's mind, and yet, and yet it's a big mind, right? We have a big mind. You're opening up, opening up. So, it's, so there's more of the totality. So we're not disregarding the head. It's very um, important that we have these mental faculties and capacities. But we, we don't want to be limited. We don't want to be confined when there's so much more. So much more possibility for us. So this dropping, grounding, centering, this is where we begin. Well, we, we begin and we end. <laughs> it's like the beginning and the end. Just dropping, starting there all day long in my, in my practice. I call my practice, which is going on all day long, is this dropping, feeling my feet on the ground, feeling my hands, feeling my arms, breathing all day long so that I stay connected, stay here on the earth, in the, the body and the earth body, so the earth supports me. I'm on the earth. I'm here. I'm present. I'm connected. So we're orienting towards this present moment, this here and now, now, the mind, our mental, uh, mental uh, energy will take us into the past, into the future, and we'll analyze the present, we'll make comments on the present. But we're collapsing that sense of time, 
into this now moment. Now. Because it's all here anyhow. Everything that's ever occurred is right here. Our whole history, and not just in this lifetime, but in our whole ancestral lifetimes, it's all here. You know, my grandparents were Polish immigrants. It's right here. You know, Christian, Polish, Yugoslavian immigrants. <laughs> it's all here. It's, there's nothing missing. Right? Everything that's ever happened up until this moment, not just within me, but everywhere. This is a collective consciousness that we are all part of. So we're orienting towards this, the fullness of this present moment. Not limited, not small, not confined. Expansive, total, complete, whole. Everything exists in this moment. So in a way we might say that we're locating ourselves. It's another way I like to think about this practice is I'm, I'm finding myself, I'm locating myself. Where am I? Where am I? We, we, this is in a way what we're, what we're pointing to here. It's like find where you are. Where are you? I mean even in this moment as I'm speaking, where are you? Can you feel and sense your body? And your location here in this room, sitting, listening, maybe fanning yourself, being a little warm, whatever it is. It's like, where are you? And this is the way we begin to know ourselves, we find ourselves, we know ourselves, we know the world and the ways of the world. And as we do that, we come into a deep knowledge, a deep knowing about the way things are that expands, grows, becomes so vast and infinite what's possible. But how do we do that? How do we start to really descend and connect and make contact and be present without getting swept away? by the strength of our emotional forces. Because that's one of the things that happens is we start to come into connection, we come into contact with what's here, with this, which is often a lot of the emotional, the emotional impacts of our history, of our past, which is right here. Right? It's right here and now. So, so much of this practice is as we learning how to ground, learning how to connect, and then learning the tools and the skills and the methods for how to stay present when those emotional forces start to, uh, start to, start to blow, start to come in like the wind. And yet the more that we can stay present the more possibility is for us to actually learn this knowledge, this knowledge of being present for our experience. I was teaching, I teach in New Zealand, I was teaching uh, at a retreat center there, and there was a woman on a retreat with us, a small retreat, a very small retreat, and it was her first retreat. And she was experiencing... um, some loss. One of her close woman friends died. 
not too, maybe mm, three, four months before, and she was really experiencing a lot of grief um, while she, when she came into the retreat and sitting into, in the silence and connecting with herself, really got in touch with that. And one of the things she started to consider was to, so what, what came up was, was some anger because she re- realized that her uh, friends, the woman who died, the husband, and her children were starting to move on. That she, she ex- actually experienced the children happy at times, you're experiencing some joy. And the husband was starting to get back into his life a little bit, and she was angry about that. It was like, how can they move on? How, how can they just let go like that and let life move on? And, and she was going through so many emotions within herself, the gru- grief of the loss, the anger that uh, they could move on and she couldn't move on. And she went down to the river. Our retreat center was near a, a beautiful, wide river. She sat by the river. And just as she was sitting in meditation, she was, with her eyes open, she was really taking in, in a way, the, the teachings of the river. And she saw that it was a very swift current, a swift current river. And while she was in contact and connection with the river, she understood that the river was expressing the truth of the nature of life, is that life moves on. Everything is changing and shifting and flowing. Life is flowing as the river was flowing. And she felt in herself a different quality of her own aliveness, of her own nature, where she too could let go and begin to move on as life does, as nature shows us that things are always in their own expression, in their own nature. And it was very, very freeing for her. And she came back and she talked about this in one of the interviews and just how she had really freed up in coming into connection with the truth of the way things are. That she didn't have to let go you know, if she wasn't ready to let go, there's no timing with grief, but that she was, she saw that she was holding on in ways that she didn't need to, and she was able to then release and let go. So in that moment, she wasn't swept away. She found a ground, she found a, a, a center for herself where she could rest in and make contact again with herself and, and get current with where she was in herself. And it was very, very powerful. So in a way, not only do we locate where we are, I think the other question that arises in all spiritual uh, traditions is, who am I? Where Where am I, but who am I? Right? We keep taking it down a little bit further. Right? When we're not just caught in the emotional currents or, or the, um, the pulls of our habit and we come into a deeper connection it's, and we know where we are and then we can begin to ask, well, well yeah, who am I? Right? Because until we really start this kind of exploration and reflection, perhaps we won't be able to know 
what it is that's keeping us small, that's keeping us limited, that's keeping us confined. And what are those things that are keeping us trapped? That are keeping us, what habits, what kinds of behaviors, choices, habits am I engaged in that that continue to keep me in this sense of a small, isolated uh, sense of self, isolated from everything else? Who am I? Right? So I can begin to open perhaps to a bigger picture, a bigger sense of what's actually going on here rather than believing and identifying with these limited uh, thoughts and stories and ideas of who I take myself to be. Who am I? And so, so through the reflection, we begin to open more and more to some of these um, uh, deeper questions about the nature of things and the nature of this reality which are really accessible and possible for us to, to access. Thinking about that reminded me of this um, story that I wanted to read to you around uh, about emotional baggage. And it was an article that was uh, written... Um, I think in jest, it's a, Cana- a Canadian, uh, and it's called. It was a, 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 an article in jest called "Air Canada to Start Charging for Emotional Baggage in 2017." So, Air Canada announced this morning that as of 2017, passengers will be required to pay an extra fee to transport any emotional baggage they happen to be carrying with them onto their flight. Um, Jacqueline Villeneuve, head of communications, explains that the exact amount of the fee will depend on the nature of the emotional baggage, how much space it will take up on the flight, and how likely it is to interfere with the other passengers. When it comes to homophobia, misogyny, and deep-seated racism, we'll be charging $500 per issue. (laughs) That kind of emotional baggage is quite heavy and nearly impossible to store safely. It takes tremendous effort on behalf of the cabin crew to make room for those kinds of issues. However, she continues, low-level anxiety, trust issues, fear of commitment, a sense of entitlement, or garden-variety anger due to a delayed flight, or lack of gluten-free options in, in, in Terminal B, We will be happy to transport those for you for just $250. Villeneuve says the airline made the decision to introduce the fee last week after nine different businessmen on nine different flights loudly refused to turn off their electronic devices during takeoff and then proceeded to get blind drunk on tiny bottles of vodka and yell racial slurs at the person in the seat beside them. In addition to the fee, Air Canada has put some restrictions uh, restrictions in place in order to adhere to safety standards. Please note that we can only reasonably accommodate up to two pieces of emotional baggage per passenger, she says. Any more than that, and we start to really compromise the air quality in the cabin. As part of the new initiative, every Air Canada terminal will also include an emotional baggage claim area. After landing, passengers will be encouraged to visit the claim area with the presence of an attendant and really try to own whatever issues are preventing them from being a tolerable human being. (laughs) 
So we all know about that. Our emotional baggage, right? Because there are very strong forces in the mind, right? These strong emotional forces, strong mental habits, always wanting more or better things, asserting the need for control and power, needing to manipulate others and the environment, asserting ourselves to be right, the need to be right. Anybody have any of those? Or, you know, maybe that need to be right, that, that one I can certainly identify with, huh? Thomas Merton, wonderful um, Christian uh, teacher, wise teacher, said, People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they, read the, once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. The ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. I think that's really what we are maybe finding out and maybe putting that ladder up against, against a different wall, perhaps. So what keeps us trapped in this small worldview of self and other? Where it keeps us in this sense of separation, a separate me, 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 me right in the center. And I really think that authentic spiritual experience is really about finding out what keeps us trapped from this sense of true freedom, real freedom. And yet how can we know until we really start to come into connection with ourselves here in this present moment? Take a real good look. So perhaps we might say that meditation is a kind of confrontation, uh, maybe even a radical confrontation. Because we have to look at ourselves in ways that might be painful. We may find out some things about ourselves that aren't so pleasant. But can we be that radically honest with ourselves? Because we may see how those particular issues are keeping us small and keeping us trapped. We can't see the bigger picture. This kind of open our eyes to a new landscape, a new perception of the way things are. So mindfulness, we use this practice of returning, remembering, collecting, centering, grounding, coming back. We start with a very basic, simple instruction, just return come back. Each time we notice that, we drift away. Come back. So we're exercising that muscle, just like exercising a muscle that isn't so strong. So at some point, it gets stronger, and we not only do we come back, but we actually stay here for a while. That's fantastic. We all want that. We all want to stay here for a while. What would that be like? And then really descend into the present moment, really open out into the present moment. 
what would be revealed for us? Goethe says, what is the most difficult of all? That which seems easiest of all, to see with your eyes what lies before your eyes. To see with your eyes what lies before your eyes. So difficult. There's, we're, we, we get into so much confusion and delusion and believe what our minds tell us. Sometimes without bringing any question or any doubt to that. Right? So, so we're clearing, we're emptying out a little bit so that the awareness is more available to see the mind, to see the body, to feel the body, to sense what's actually here, coming in contact with the present moment reality. Right, right here, right now. We might, we could call this the great undoing as we let go. We let go. Let go. Just keep unraveling what compiles itself into a sense of me. I just let it unravel, this great undoing. And as we do that, we must go through a stage of unknowing, of confusion, of doubt. As we enter into that which is unfamiliar to us, it's ha- we, we can't know. We may feel confused. We may feel some doubt. But it's new territory. It's part of the unfolding. It's part of the path. It's part of the uh, process. And so, so we come into a new relationship with this not knowing, with confusion, with doubt. And we see that it's actually necessary for us as we let go of that which is familiar, that which is known, that which is habitual, and then see what that's like, because I'm not sure that we can really move on until we begin to enter into that territory. And yet in order to do that, there really has to be some trust, right? We, there's something we have to trust or we wouldn't do it. There's something that you have already trusted or you wouldn't have come here. You wouldn't even come to the retreat if there wasn't something that was already speaking to you that said, give it a try. Trust, trust this process, what might happen. I'm, it's kind of a jumping into the unknown, jumping in a little bit to the not knowing. So there's already a way that you know that, you feel that, you sense that quality of trust. Because you're willing, you're willing to sit there and sense your body and sense your breath and feel your breath, sensing one breath after, not knowing whether the next breath is even going to come. We don't know whether that next breath is going to come. If we think we know, there's some confusion there, right? 
There's a delusion there. So we sit, we breathe, we walk, we open up, we see, we, we, we hear, we feel, we sense. We don't know what's going to come next. And it's not a trust where we need to believe in anything. We don't need to believe in any kind of dogmas or moral opinions. But just this sense, perhaps, that there's something more. There's something more that is accessible to each and every one of us. Just then we, we intuitively know this already. Some of us may want to suppress that or push it away. It might be too fearful, push it aside. But then some of us want to move forward, walk in, walk in and find out what is that? What does it mean that there's a bigger picture or there's more or there's a way that I might be keeping myself confined or trapped or small or limited or maybe there's ways that I act in the world that are causing suffering to other beings and I don't even know how I'm doing that. Do I, do I want to know? Do I want to wake up? Do I want to come into a deeper connection with the truth of, of who I am and the way things are? So we let go. And part of that is maybe meeting our, our doubt, our confusion. Can we, can we trust that as well? Just trust whatever starts to reveal itself here. Trust this process that is unfolding before our very eyes. And even when we can't trust, that's okay too. It's like it's all okay, really. Maybe we're starting to get that, that sense of it here a little bit. It's all okay. Rumi, wonderful poet Rumi says, Don't let your throat tighten with fear. Take sips of breath all day and all night before death closes your mouth. I love that. Take sips of breath all day and night. Don't let your throat tighten in fear before death closes your mouth. So maybe this gives you a little bit more sense of what it is we're doing here and certainly a sense of what I think we're doing here, but I won't hold that up as right or there's any certain t- certainty to it. I'll let you all discover for yourselves what you're actually doing here and why you're here. But perhaps this just helps us reflect a little bit more deeply on that question of why we're here, what we're doing here. Maybe help to locate ourselves a little bit more and start to question, start to wonder what is this really all about? And who am I? What is this? And we really start to awaken to these questions. And I'm going to end 
with this uh, poem from a um, shaman woman, 20th century uh, Netsilic Eskimo woman. And um, I heard this poem in the very early days of my practice, and it was one that really touched me deeply. And it's one I reflect on sometimes, and I really wanted to share it with you at the end of this talk tonight. So I think it really speaks to this opening and the letting go and to the trust. And she wrote, The great sea has set me in motion, set me adrift, moving me like a weed in the river. The sky and the strong wind have moved the spirit inside me till I am carried away trembling with joy. So let's sit for a moment or two. Where are you? Thank you so much for your attention this evening. It's just about 20 after 8 right now, and so we have some time for walking meditation. You might feel a little bit more inspired given that the temperature's probably dropped about 15 degrees out there. It's a beautiful, clear night. So please enjoy the walking. We'll be back at 9 o'clock for uh, sitting together, and we usually, the very first night, make it a little bit shorter. It's been a long day for most of you. And uh, have a little loving-kindness meditation there as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.